Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Well, if you have your Bibles, open it with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And as you do, say this with me. Today, I receive the Word of God to profit me. Now, remember from now on when I say that, that means to progress, okay, to increase, okay, all right? To reproof me, convict me, and instruct me the righteousness that I become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I'm going to be sharing on the benefits of obedience. Now, I want to let you know that God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing that you can do that can stop God from loving you, all right? So it's not about you getting into works, trying to make God happy, all right? Not about that at all. I don't want anybody to think, well, I've got to do certain things to get God to bless me. No, no. What your obedience does, it puts you in a position to receive what God's done for you. If you really uh, rightly divide the Word of God, God's done everything He's going to do for you. Uh, 2 Peter 1.3 says, according to his divine power, he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So if he's already done that, then it's already been done. He's already provided salvation. Did you have to, did, did you have to say, now God, I need a different package of salvation. I need a different, you, you need to make something up new for me. No, it's been provided. He's already provided your salvation. He's already provided your ability to walk in divine health. By his stripes, you are healed. Not going to be healed. You are healed. Amen. You're created in the image and likeness of God. Is God sick? No, he's not. He's predestined you to be in the image of his son. Was Jesus ever sick? No. Did Jesus always overcome? Yes. And so what your obedience does is it positions you to be able to receive all that God has for you. doesn't take away from what God, God wants to do from your life. It's not about works and it's not about you having to do certain things to get God to do something for you. God's already done these things for you. And so it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3, uh, for though we walk in the flesh. Now, you know, this really helps me because there's one thing that, that, that always gets in my way from receiving all that God has for me. And when I looked in the mirror, I identified him. You're the culprit. My flesh, my feelings, how I perceive myself. And again, this is why renewing our minds to see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, one of the things my dad used to always tell me, he said, you know, always believe in yourself. Now, my dad was... When I was growing up, he considered himself agnostic, so, you know, uh, but I needed the Lord to re-identify my image for me. I needed God to tell me who I was. You know, I could believe in myself, that's good, but you know what, there's more, uh, I can do a lot more if I can believe in what God says about me. I see, my flesh gets in the way, but we're in the flesh, but that's okay, God knew that we were in the, in, in the flesh. In fact, the scripture says he, knew, he knows our frame. He knows how we're made. You know, he was tempted like we're tempted, the Bible tells us. So he understands these things. But though we're in the flesh, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war 
according to the flesh. How many of you know there's a spiritual battle going on out there? How many of you know the devil, if he can't stop you from getting saved, he's going to try to stop you from receiving the blessings of God? You know, that's what he wants to do. And how does he do it? By putting a poor self-image on the inside of you. Tell your neighbor, not me, not today. Uh Uh-uh. I'm taking the image of God. That's right. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So it's not about flesh. It's not about our works. It's not carnal. It's not what you can do to get God to move. All right? It's not about our works. It's not carnal. But it's mighty in God. Any man being Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. It's about being in God. It's about following after God. For the uh, and mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. I think the King James says imaginations, which is really a better word, because what's an imagination? It's an image on the inside of you that has become a nation. You know, and you got to cast down the wrong images that the enemies try to put on you all your life. You can't you can't allow him to put these things on you. You got to say, I am who God says I am. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So getting, getting the knowledge of God is important. We need to get the knowledge of God and what God says so we know what to cast down. You know, we were talking uh, the other day and someone was telling me uh, about some counterfeit. And I was just uh, sharing with him what I had asked Vicky's father. He was FBI and I asked him if this was true. And I asked him about the... Um, uh, department that looks at counterfeit money and I said I was told that they when they first start training them they just let them look at the real thing for weeks after weeks after weeks and then they'll pass them a counterfeit and they'll go I don't know what's wrong with it but it's not the real thing well when you're studying the real thing come on somebody yeah. the truth right. even though facts might come the doctor will say well this is the facts these are the medical facts based on his education these are the medical facts but you have the truth. And truth always trumps facts. Truth always overcomes facts. And so it goes on, it says this, casting down imagination, every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now that word punish, it means to annihilate. It means to make it so that it, as if it never existed before, annihilate. It was never there. And so what your obedience does, it does two things. Number one, your obedience erases and annihilates everything that you ever did out of disobedience. Now, I don't know about you, but I can shout and go home and say, we've had church today. Glory to God. But has somebody out of disobedience, brought harm or hurt to you? Well, what does your obedience do? Has somebody come against you with the intention of trying to stop you, hurt you, or harm you? What's your obedience do? It destroys that. That's why Peter said, you know, uh, let your good shame, that's what it really means, shame or defame those who have spoken evil of you. In other words, let your good. See, it's always right to do right, but it's never wrong to do right. Amen. It's always right to do right, but it's never wrong 
to do right. It's never right to do wrong, but it's never wrong to do right. It's always right. The right thing to do is what God would have you to do. Yeah, but you know, I have a right to be mad. I can understand you were hurt. I get that. I understand that. We're people. What what, what did we start out? Hey, though we walk in the flesh, we have flesh. The flesh gets hurt. You know, my wife, when we first got married, she used to hit me as hard as she could. And then I have to realize, she said, I just hit you. I said, oh, I didn't even feel it. But she thought she could hit me as hard as she could because I was so big and I didn't feel it. No, I feel it. I have feelings. You have feelings. My flesh hurts if there's a right enough pain put on it. You know, we all have flesh. But it's not right for me to react to the hurt my way. Amen. Am I helping somebody? Mm. Man, if I had my way, you know, that person would hurt a lot more than I'm hurting right now. Hmm? But I'll never forget. I am coming on. I'm, I'll never forget. <laughs> I was angry at this person, you know, and, and I was seeing myself administering the five-fold ministry with a closed fist. And the Lord interrupted my thought. He said, why do you want to hurt somebody who's already hurting? You know, the... the, the you know, see, they're under conviction for the wrong that they're doing already. And that's why sometimes they get other people to validate the wrong or the rebellion that they're doing to kind of subside the conviction that they're feeling on the inside. They already know what they're doing is wrong. You know, why hurt it? Why, why make it worse? Just love them, bless them, and go on. James tells us here in the book of James, starting with chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, we're going to read that in a minute, but you know what the Lord showed me? To the same degree that you're submitted to God is the same degree that you walk in authority over the enemy. The same degree goes hand in hand. The more you're submitted to God, the more you're like God. And the more you're, you're like God, what happens? The enemy doesn't like it. The Bible says draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. What happens when you enter into the presence of God? You think the devil's going to hang out? He's not going to hang out very much. You know, it's kind of like that time I was, oh, I was probably seven or eight years old, and we were having our neighborhood rumble, uh, street fights and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, the, what, 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 what our neighborhood did was we would go out to play soccer. We knew we weren't going to play soccer. We knew it was going to be a fist fight when it was all said and done. And they'd throw the little guys in first, and you'd fight, and if you won, they'd throw another guy in, and you fought, and you won, then throw another guy in until you got whooped, you know. But there was this guy who was my brother's age that my brother whooped real bad several times, <clears throat> and he was doing something, so I just hauled off and just smacked him in the mouth. Boy, he started to manhandle me. I said, my brother's right here. Whoop. That's what you do when you submit to God. And the enemy comes around, and you go, You know, it's kind of like that Facebook post I saw, that little kitten, little lion, and there's a big lion behind it, ready to protect them. Well, that's the way it is when you're submitted to God. That's why it says, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. If you're in the shadow of the Almighty, that means he's real close by. I mean, he's right there to take care of you. 
One of the names of God is Jehovah Nisa, which means the Lord's my banner. In other words, he surrounds me and protects me. Glory to God. And so when we submit to God, to the same degree that we submit to God, really is the same degree that we resist the, the devil and he'll flee. So draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. I'm going to share this out of the expanded Bible and kind of share what that means because, you know, I had a hard time with that last part of it. What do you mean let my laughter turn into to mourning? So the, the uh, expanded Bible says it like this. So give yourself completely, submit to God, stand against, resist the devil, and the devil will run and flee from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you, you sinners, Clean sin out of your lives. Cleanse, purify your hands, a metaphor for cleaning up your behavior. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, you are double-minded. Can't do it. Make your thinking pure. Purify your heart, uh, cleaning up your interior life. Be sad, lament, and cry, and weep. Why? For the sins that you did commit. You know, sometimes you'll listen to some people and they'll say, yeah, I've got this in my life. Ha, 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 ha. Well, you know what? If you're laughing at the sin that's in your life, you have just left a door wide open for the enemy to come in and make havoc in your life. We shouldn't be laughing about the wrong we did. We should have a godly sorrow. Why? Because the scripture says that godly sorrow produces repentance. Now, sorrow for getting caught is different than godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is that, you know what, this is not what God wants me to be doing. I've been disobedient to God. And it produces the willingness of repentance, which means the willingness to go back to God. True sorrow, true godly sorrow will bring a person back to God, not keep a person away from God. And if someone's really laughing about a certain sin, you're like, yeah, you know, my dad was, my, my grandfather was this way, I'm, my dad was that way, I'm that way, you know, this is just who I, 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 you know, I'll have this problem the rest of my life. Well, I want to let you know, that's not God's will for your life. And that's not something to joke about. It's something to say to yourself, if you're struggling with a habit or iniquity in your life, tell yourself that I'm going to overcome this. This is not who I am. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, how do you wash a dish? How do you wash your dishes? You know, don't you put something in them to wash your dishes? Don't you put something in it to wash your dishes? You know, I, how many of you remember when you were a kid and, 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 and you'd be, drink this big glass of milk and then you'd want to drink water right after you drank milk out of that same glass? That film stayed in there, didn't it? Remember that? You know, and, and uh, you know, instead of getting the dishwash, the dishwash rag out and soap and cleaning it all up, rinsing it all out and starting all over, I just tried to get the water to rinse it out. Well, eventually it would. You know, if I let it sit under the tap and run and run and run and run, eventually, you know, the film would leave. Well, that's the same thing with the Word of God. The more you put the Word of God in you, more the, 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 the film of filth will begin to leave you. Am I doing okay today? Amen. And so that's, a, that's an act of obedience right there is just to put God first in your life and let him do the washing. And so that's what it means there that uh, when it says to lament 
change your laughter into crying or, or your joy into sadness by, because you need to humble yourself in the presence of God. And he will honor you and he will lift you up. Humble yourself means, you know what? I'm putting my faith in God. God can do it better than I can. God can do things better than you can. How many of you know that God's smarter than you? If you don't, we'll give you an IQ test after church today. No, God is smarter, and, and when we humble ourselves, what we're saying, I'm totally depending on what God says about me, not what my flesh or what man says about me. So completely submit yourself to God means that you've been, that you are, 1 Peter 2, 9, this is what you are if you're completely submitted to God. You're a chosen generation. How many of you ever heard that the Jews are God's favorite? The Jews are God's chosen people. Well, see, you're grafted in through Christ. See, your Messiah was Jewish. So you're grafted in. So because you're in Christ, you're grafted in, and you're just as one of God's chosen as the Jews are. You're the apple of his eye, just like they are. And you don't have to do anything to earn it. Glory to God. You don't have to live by the law to please God. Isn't that wonderful? You live by faith. And so when we look at this, one of the things that we have to understand is that when we choose to be obedient to God and submit ourselves to God and subject ourselves to God, we're a chosen generation. We can tell I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. His own special person says his own special people. I'm, God, I'm special to God. You know, we, we have a little fun with this. You know, I know I'm God's favorite. But you should think the same way. I'm special. I'm real special. You know? I mean, I, I'm the apple of God's eye. What is that doing? First of all, that's taking away me comparing myself to what other people are. Hello, somebody. And isolating myself to receive all that God has for me personally. Now, I was the youngest in the family. And my siblings, when they left... I was in high school. So in high school, I was kind of like raised like the only child. And my parents, because I was the third one, had stepped into a place where they were doing better financially. So I got the benefits of them doing better financially. As far as I was considered, there was no brother or sister. It's all about me. Well, that's the way your relationship with God should be. It's all about you. God wants you to know that he loves you that much. He's watching over you that much. He has called you a special person. So you're a special person. And he has also proclaimed the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called you out of this. He's called you out of this. Now, you don't have to yield to the calling. How many have ever been called? Somebody call your name over the loudspeaker or your mother called you. You know, we, we used to play, you know, on the lot next to our house, play soft baseball or whatever, you know, and mom called, I could hear her, and, and, and I didn't feel like going home. <laughs> and she called again, I still didn't feel like going home. She called a third time, and here came dad. I went home. <laughs> I didn't answer the call. God's called you out of darkness. He's called you out of a life of being overcome to living a life of 
overcoming. That's what he's called you to do. And this is what submission does. When we subject ourselves to God, we can expect these things to happen in our lives. We can expect our lives begin to turn around. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24 says, If you indeed have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and renew in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that really mean? That means let the spirit of God renew your mind. Let the word renew your mind. Let the spirit of God renew your mind. That you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So that you can walk in this authority. So that you can walk in this blessing. So that you can walk in this image that you're God's special chosen child of God. And if nobody else was, you are. And that's what God wants you to have in your own life. The Message Bible says it like this. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. Everything. Why? Because God's not pleased with you? No, because your obedience destroys disobedience. And it shuts the door of the disobedient one from coming back in your life. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside. And working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What's the world looking for? The world is looking for God's character in you. Have you ever been around somebody who almost seemed like they wanted to torment you or provoke you into getting in the flesh? You know what they're really looking for? To see if you'll stand. To see if you really believe this standard. To see if you really live what you say you live. You believe what you, you believe. You know, and this is why we need to take on the spirit of Spock. How many of you know what, who Spock was? Star Trek, you know? I mean, okay, he, 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 in other words, he basically supposedly was designed where he didn't have any feelings. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't agitate you. But, you know, when you turn the other cheek, you're not giving somebody an opportunity to hit you again. You're letting them know, I'm not letting it bother me. Right. Amen. I'm not going to let you provoke me into getting in the flesh. It's not worth it. I think we heard a word not too long ago of, I can afford that. Well, no, I profit from it. That's better. I profit from doing the right thing, not doing the wrong thing. I progress when I do the right thing and I don't do the wrong thing. When I don't give into the temptation of someone trying to provoke me. And the reason why they want to provoke me is because they want to feel as good as I am. They want to feel, have that feeling that they're as good as I am. And if they can provoke me to get in the flesh, they can say, well, you're no different than I am. Well, I am different because I'm his special chosen one. Amen. Amen? And I'm going to live this way. Glory to God. Will I be tested? Probably. Renew your mind. How do we get there? By renewing your mind. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed through the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. The prove means that you've already tested it and you're walking in it. You know, there are different levels of gold. And it's all based on how that it was tempered. How much of the, the dross was melted out of it. And your best, most pure gold has endured the hottest temperatures for the longest period of time. You know, and I, I'm, I'm going to allow God to produce that in me. Burn out all the dross that could be in my life. Burn out all the iniquity. In other words, I'm going to be proven by God by how? Well, verse 1 says, you know, I, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing. Isn't that what it says? Renewing. That means that you don't get renewed when you just come to church and hear good preaching. That means you have to be renewing your mind on a regular basis. And you know, it only takes one or two scriptures to renew your mind on a regular basis. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible to renew your mind. But renewing, renewing your mind should be a lifestyle. Every day, what does God say about me? This is what God says about me. This is what God wants for me. This is what God has for me. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a special person. Glory to God. Every time you wake up, you ought to be saying that. When you go to bed, you ought to be saying that. So allowing your mind to be renewed on a regular basis, not just once, but make it a lifestyle. Number two, if you're taking notes, be consistent in seeking God. Be consistent in seeking God. It's not how much you seek God in a day. It's the fact that you seek God in a day. So, well, you know, today, you know, the day I only had just a few minutes to even tell God hello this morning. Well, you're seeking God. Put God first. What's it say in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you're good enough, some of these things will be added unto you. No. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So make it a lifestyle. Be consistent in seeking God. Again, it's not how much you seek God, but it's the fact that you seek God. And you know, the more you seek God, the more you're going to want to seek God. It's like being married to a good wife. The more time you spend with her, the more you want to spend with her. And I am married to a good wife. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Did I get out of the hole now? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is but that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I didn't do very good in English in high school, but I can understand this. Rewarder means a continuation of being rewarded. In other words, you know, you'll be rewarded more than once. You'll, you'll be rewarded all the time. If, if I'm diligent or if I diligently, which means continue to be diligent at seeking him. And so he's a rewarder of those who diligently or make it a lifestyle, there it is again, being consistent at seeking and going after God. Number three, commit your ways to the Lord. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 says, Come now, 
you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to do such and such a, a, do such and such a city and spend a year there. We'll buy, we'll sell, we'll make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. What's he really saying? Find out God's will for your life. Listen, what's going on in Israel is a type and shadow and just the beginning of some birth pains of some things we might see in the future. And I want to encourage each and every one of you as vehemently as I can, be sure you're led by the Spirit every day. Well, we're going to go do this. Make sure you're hearing from God. Seek first the kingdom of God. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If you got a check in your spirit about going somewhere, then don't go. If you got a check in your spirit about going a different way, then go a different way. I remember one time God put something in my heart to do, and I did it, and I did not see the fruit of it at all. I said, Lord, what's up that? He said, I just want to see if you, I want to teach you obedience. That's all it was. Oh, okay, you did tell me to do that, even though I didn't see the fruit of it. In fact, I saw something negative of the fruit of it. He said, yeah, but I want you to learn obedience. I want you to learn to trust me, even if there's not, you know, some type of result of why I asked you to go a different way. Or even if there's a re- not a result of why I asked you to do this, I'm teaching you obedience. And so learning that obedience, learning to follow after God. You know, they that are led by the Spirit of God indeed are the sons of God. And what's the world looking for? The manifestation of the sons of God. So we need to seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. God, what would you have me to do today? Is this your will for my life? And again, I cannot vehemently uh, share this uh, strong enough with you because I really believe that there are things that can happen in America, and I don't want you in harm's way. And again, that's what it means to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. They that dwell in the secret place of, of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That means that, you know what? You're in God's presence. And God will not lead you in harm's way. Amen? We're doing okay this morning. Let's commit your ways. So that's what James says. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 12 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, everything that you do, acknowledge him. Everything that you do, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. In other words, when you put God first, he'll direct your paths. The scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Now, most of you probably haven't heard this. Some of you may have. But I've heard some people say, yeah, God's got me here. I don't know why. I don't know why God would not. That's kind of detesting the Lord. Why would you say that? You know, one of the things that blessed me so much when we first moved to Missouri was when I first met Vicki, and this is what put the fear of God in me. 
was he said, I just want to let you know I'm not going to marry a pastor. And I'm not moving out of Texas. Okay. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I think someday God's called me to be a pastor. And I think someday I'm going to be moving back to Missouri. But I didn't say anything. You know. And so when we moved to Missouri, and she got out of the vehicle and went into the store, came out. And I mean, the snow was coming down. And I mean, it was, it was, it was coming down so hard. It was, didn't hurt, but it almost kind of hurt. You know, you've ever been in snow like that? And she comes out, and that snow's hitting. She's got snow all over her just from the door of the store to getting into the car, you know. And she smiled at me. She said, well, let's go. I knew she was happy where she was at. My wife to be happy where snow comes down? Are you kidding me? My wife being happy anywhere but Texas? My wife being happy married to a pastor? No, she didn't detest that. She was happy. And that's what that means. Don't let, when God begins to lead you somewhere, why do you want me to turn right here, God? I don't get it. There's not a wreck down there. I don't, no, just follow God with gladness. Don't, don't despise his correcting you. Or maybe when, you know, you want to say something and God says, this is not the time to say it. Pastor, quit meddling and start preaching again. All right, I will. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And see, correction is not rejection. Remember that. Correction is not necessarily meaning that you've done something bad either. Correction is direction. Getting you or keeping you on course. And how many of you know that when you're walking in the steps that he's ordered for you, everything that you'll ever need will be there. The Message Bible says it like this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Ever try to figure God out? God, why did you allow that? Why did this happen? Why, you know, God, you know. Sometimes you just need to let go and say, God, I trust you. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. Boy, isn't that good? Listen, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Listen for God's voice. Some people, well, God doesn't ever speak to me. I beg your pardon, pardon, but I bet he's speaking to you all the time. But you got to listen. God, what are you saying here? Listen in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't fear, friend, and resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction if the child he loves that God corrects as a father delights is behind all this. Number four, if you're taking notes, fight the good fight of faith. You know what's so good about fighting the good fight of faith? You win. Amen? And you don't even have to throw a punch. Isn't that good? You win, and you don't really have to do the fighting. All you do is put your trust in the Lord. In Hebrews 4, I might go there here in, in, in the future talking about going back to the basics. But basically what it was was Hebrews 3 and 4 talks about how the children of Israel did not enter into the rest of God. That first group. The second group, the Joshua generation did. But that first group didn't. You know why? Because they didn't trust in the word of God. 
That's just the bottom line. God said, I'm going to do this for you. How can you do that? There's giants in the land. You know what? Didn't he split the Red Sea? Didn't he give you manna from heaven? Didn't he cause water to come out from a rock? You know, didn't he bring quail for you to eat? Didn't he do all these miracles? Didn't he turn bitter water into good water? You know, didn't he do all these things? How can you not believe? But see, you know, they didn't allow the word to renew their minds. They were still under the bondage of being in Egypt. Even though God, God brought them out of Egypt, he never got Egypt out of them. Amen. That's why it says you can't have one, world, one foot in the world and one foot, you know, in the church or in the things of God because it's going to cause confusion. Go all the way. Take that foot out of the world. They never took their foot out of Egypt. Say, so how do you know that, Pastor? Because they said every time something went bad, let us go back to Egypt. Not me. I'm not going back. I don't have reverse. I just have forward. And if I don't have forward, I have, you know, when you've done all the withstand, stand. I got that too. Amen. And then I've got the grace of God to be more persistent than the devil. You know, I mean, I can just see it, you know, me standing there and the devil and him and I having a face off and eventually something's going to come up and he's going to have to give his attention to that. He's going to leave me alone and I'm going to go ahead and take my ground. Glory to God. Because I've determined by the grace of God, I'm more persistent than he is. Amen. Amen. Are we doing okay this morning? Yes. Glory to God. So we want to fight that good of fight. Put our trust in God's word. And that's where they missed it. You don't have to really build up your faith. You have to continue to tell yourself, I can trust God's word. Listen, Vicki and I have been doing this for 41 years now. Trusting God's word. And God's word has never failed us ever ever and you know what it never will and this is why i'm more adamant about renewing my mind because after 41 years i finally got it god's word will never fail Amen. i think i got it maybe a few years before that but i know god's word will never fail so what do i need to do renew my mind with his word because i know it will not fail Amen. he watches over his word to perform it and his word will not return void unto him. So fight that good fight of faith. And that good fight of faith is not really building up your faith. It is really saying, I am going to trust the word of God. I'm going to trust it by, number one, believing it. And number two, by doing it. Psalms 9, verse 10 says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalms 37, 5 says, Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, God is restoring all those that have positioned themselves to be restored. You know, even if you've had a loss in your life, God's going to restore you. You know, I used to tell the singles this when we were singles directors, those who have gone through divorce. I would tell them this. You know, I can't promise you the restoration of your marriage because God's not into witchcraft. He doesn't control people. But I can promise you this. God will restore you, and God will give you a better marriage than you had before. Amen? I'm going to put my wife on the spot. My wife had a previous marriage. Is the marriage you have now better than before? She better say that. <laughs> God restores, you know? 
It may not be the person that stole that from you repaying you back, but God will repay. That's where you put your trust, not in flesh, but in God, knowing that God will restore. God wants to restore you. That's his plan for your life. Isaiah 42, 22, I mentioned it earlier. But this is a people robbed and plundered, all of them snared in holes, and they're hidden in prison. They are for prey and no one delivers for plunder. Why? Because no one says restore. What are we supposed to be saying? Restore. What are we supposed to be proclaiming? Restore. I believe God's restoring all. Now listen, you talk about abundance. What would happen if all the harvest from the seed that you sowed came and then everything else was restored to you at the same time? Did you hear that? I mean, it almost took the breath away from you. But this is what God wants to do. That's his plan for your life. He wants to restore and also bless you with the abundance from the seed that you've sown. Amen? That's God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. Don't get mad because you lost it. Don't get angry at the person who stole it. Just begin to thank God that he's restoring it. God is repaying what has been stolen or lost. And it starts with you saying and submitting to God. And you saying, I'm being restored. He's restoring me. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? It says, if you confess your sins, God's faithful and just to forgive you and to what? Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All right? So if he's cleansed you of it, guess what? Then it puts you back in right standing with God so that you can receive from God. Romans 3, 24 says, and he will freely justify you. Doesn't cost you anything, but it sure is profitable to believe him and to trust him in all that you do. Amen? So God's repaying, and I believe that he's repaying. And the more you say restore, I believe the more you're going to see God do more and more in your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.